It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon and welcome everyone to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, pastor here at Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado, just enjoying the grace of God and the mercy of God and uh, what a what a great time in in the the world you know the timing of the world today to be a believer to walk in his grace and his goodness to serve in his church uh, for me personally to pastor it's in, in such a challenging time where the Holy Spirit uh, is is made known and on display especially in challenging times uh, I came across a quote today. It's you know, it's not just we're not just in challenging times. The church has always faced uh, challenges. I, I read a quote today. I posted it on our social media uh, by R. A. Tory. It says the history of the church has always been one of grave difficulties to overcome. And I thought, man, that was encouraging. Uh, it's true. Uh, the history of the church, whether it's the 21st century or the first century, has met. Obstacle after obstacle after difficulty after challenge, the spiritual warfare is is unrelenting, and yet in the power of the Holy Spirit, the strength of God, we overcome, and heaven awaits us. Victory is ours in Christ Jesus, and and it's it's an encouraging thing to serve God in these trying times. But they are trying times. We won't minimize that. Uh, definitely difficulties, uh, definitely challenges. Uh, I want to encourage you to go to our website or our app and listen to the Bible study we shared last night in 2 Kings. I, I entitled it, our Unrelent- Facing Our Unrelenting Enemy. And in it, the king of Syria, in 2 Kings chapter 20, Ben-Hadad, comes to King Ahab. And I mean, he's straight up, uh, this was crazy. This is just straight up, uh, tells him, let me, let me look, let me get, let me get, pull it up for you. Let me get those words out. Uh, let me pull up the scripture for you. Second Kings twenty, uh, the king says um, that. Uh, actually, I think it was. Uh, no, I'm in the wrong one. I am so sorry. Let me. It is First Kings twenty, and we have. For some reason, this is not working. Now it is. Now Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his forces together. Thirty-two kings were with him in horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria and made war against it. He sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said, And check this out. Your silver, your gold are mine. Your loveliest wives and children are mine. And Ben-Hadad becomes a type and a picture of the devil himself who comes to you and me and says, what you have is mine. Your joy is mine. Your family is mine. Your backslidden kids are mine. And stinking Ahab, he agrees with him and and capitulates to this guy and says, yeah, of course. It's unbelievable. And then the good news, though, is that the king, it says in verse 7, calls the elders of the land and tells him what he was told. And check this out. In verse 8, it says, 
And all the elders and all the people said to him, do not listen or consent. You know, we need people like that in our lives, that when we hear stupid things and we start to believe them or the lies of the enemy or you know, our prodigal will never come home or this situation will never be resolved or you'll never get to see your children or your grandchildren. We say, don't listen to that and don't consent to it. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. As bad as hard as it looks right now, even though maybe you're sitting there in the kitchen listening to me and the bills are right there and right next to your bills is your checkbook or online and you see the balance of your bank account and you see the bills and they're telling you that God isn't faithful. They're telling you that he won't supply for your needs. They're telling you that you'll never get out of this difficulty. You'll never dig your way out. They're telling you that whatever other lie you're listening to, and while I don't know how God's going to come through, I don't know how the situation's going to be worked out. I don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. I do know this. He is doing behind the scenes. Do not listen or consent. If you need encouragement in this area, this is the Bible study. Go to our website, calvaryaurora.org, or go to our app and go to the tab that says First Kings and go right to the study in chapter 20 that we delivered last night. And there was a fresh, amazing, powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, at the end of our service where the body came together and began to pray for those rededicating their lives, those that are uh, gave their life to Christ last night for the very first time and were born again. And the Spirit of God was there through our prayers and through our diligence and then the ministry afterward in our services. Unbelievable. Uh, so blessed to be a part of this fellowship family where God is alive. You need to listen to this study. Um, even if you're not going through something, it's going gonna, it's gonna to prepare you for what's up ahead. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. We got open lines. You guys on the East Coast, give me a call. I know that on the East Coast and the Hope FM radio network, you are listening to this in one week delay. However, if you call during the show, you're going to be on the air. Uh, and you're going to be on the air live in Colorado, unless it's an encore, which is occasionally we have to do an encore show for a variety of reasons. But uh, if, if this is not an encore, because while I'm talking, it's live uh, to Colorado on the Grace FM radio network. Uh, and we have partnered with Pastor Bill Lupkeman and Calvary Chapel in Marlton. Uh, to air this broadcast uh, on the East Coast, New Jersey, Maryland, Pennsylvania. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Open lines, 303-690-3000. We're going to go right to Baltimore, Maryland uh, with Mark on line number one. Mark, welcome to the program. Hello. 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 Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, My question is, um, when we die from a biblical perspective, um, do our spirit goes immediately to heaven? Um, How does that relate to the idea that when Jesus returns, we're lifted up um, and we immediately uh, are with him? I just want to be clear. Well, according to the scriptures, when a believer dies, uh, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, it starts about verse 6, 7, and 8. And 
and we know that there is going to be a new resurrected body that is given to other, every believer, there is some secondary debate among the believers of when you receive your uh, resurrected body. Uh, but we know that the pattern of the pattern of life after death is given to us by Jesus, the first one to eternally be raised from the dead uh, and resurrected. And he had a glorified body with him uh, when he was on the earth. Uh, so perhaps uh, you get your body right away is one of the options. The other one is that you, you receive your body at the second coming or the rapture of the church. Uh, or um, those are the two predominant themes, so we don't know exactly uh, when you get your body, except that we know we will get one, uh, and it will be suited not for earth, but for the new heavens and the new earth, and our old bodies will pass away, and they'll have a, it'll have a one-to-one correspondence with our present body, uh, because that's what happened with Jesus. Uh, his was one-to-one corresponding, right? We know that because why? The tomb was empty, and in yeah. some some relation, the new body is going to be a resurrected uh, new body that God does something with the old. Okay. Well, and uh, that's what I wanted to be clear on, the different um, views on it. I'm just wondering what your perspective was and to try to understand it better. Well, my perspective is I'm kind of still debating between those two um, those two particular views um, because there is that passage in Scripture uh, in Corinthians that talks about us not being disembodied spirits uh, in the presence of the Lord, like the angels are. You know, where they don't they have a different type of body than we do as humans. Uh, so something tells me that the uh, that the body uh, we get the body sooner than later. But I'm perfectly okay if there's a temporary state between us, like there was with Hades. Remember in the book of Luke, when a person died, they went into what's known as Abraham's bosom, which was a temporary state. Yeah. Uh, and then when Jesus died and rose again, he emptied out Abraham's bosom so that now Hades is only filled with torments that will one day be thrown into the lake of fire. So it's not unusual for God to have a temporary state uh, or to have stages in the work that he does. Um, but those are the two views. You you get your re- you you get your resurrected body now the difficulty of course with a resurrected body directly related to the body is that uh, whether a body's been cremated or or buried it's going to disintegrate uh and decompose and so but that's not going to stop god i mean god created uh, created the world out of nothing so that's not going to stop god but in our thinking it's hard for us to conceive the timing and the specifics of how God is going to arrange our eternal state. Um, I think we can agree with with what he's going to do, but how and the timing, you know, that's up for debate. I think that when in times like this too, just since you asked my view, in times like this, I tend to lean on things that I know for sure and emphasize those yes. and then set the things aside that I don't really know for sure and just set that aside, you know, because there are some theological systems that seem to have an answer for everything. They just know, they, they come across like they know every single thing there is to know. And that's simply not possible. Uh, it's not possible for a variety of reasons, but specifically the Bible says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And I, I put this in a category where I'm okay not to fully understand the mechanism of how it will be, instead emphasizing that after death, we are going to wake up into the presence 
of Jesus Christ, just like David said in the Old Testament. Okay, and I agree with what you said, just from God's mystery. I'll just wonder in that and then be thankful for it. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Great question, and well, thanks for calling from Baltimore. Okay, thank you. Have a good evening. All right, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Always encouraged to get calls from the East Coast. We love you guys out there. I'm blessed to be on the radio uh, on Hope FM at our teaching broadcast. Uh, I think it's on later in the evening. Uh, and so thanks. Uh, great to have a relationship with you. Uh, line number two is our next call. It's Jay calling from Aurora, Colorado. Jay, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. I, I was calling in regards to Matthew 24, where it talks about uh, the ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom. And it's yes. my understanding that the bridegroom is Jesus. And so if they're all waiting for Jesus to return, then how come five of them are left? And is that the lukewarm church they talks about in the book of the Revelation? Yeah, there's that like like the previous question. There's a couple of views on the the twenty four uh, in Matthew twenty four. Let me pull up here um, this scripture so we can all be on the same page. For some reason, it's not coming up here. So in Matthew twenty four, I should have reset everything before I came on the air, but of course I didn't. So I've got to talk out loud while I'm figuring it out. Um, well, that's okay. I was. Here. I understand your. You're doing this while you're on the air, too, so. <laughs> uh, Matthew 24, uh, what's, what passage? We've got the fig tree, uh, days before the flood, they're eating and drinking. Who is a faithful one? Um, blessed is he. Hmm. I don't see what Matthew 24 referring to that. Are you talking maybe? Maybe it's uh, Luke 21. Maybe let's see, Luke. That's the destruction of the temple. Signs of I'm the end times. So I can't look it up. Signs of the end times. Well, there, there's two views to that passage. Actually, it's one is that some put that passage in Matthew 24. I I, I want to say it's Matthew 24. That's kind of my gut. So I don't know why I'm it's not seeing it. But that, yeah, they're together. Um, that yeah, 25. It's right in front of me. Um, so some of this, some, they put these in one of two categories. One uh, that this is; these are uh, these are referring to uh, believers that are raptured, and either lukewarm believers that are not, or unbelievers, um, because again, it's a parable; it's a kingdom parable. So these are t typology. The other one is that some people look at this view and say that this is the second coming, the judgment of God. Uh, and that these are the un the unwise, the foolish, according to verse two, the foolish, the kingdom of God will be likened to these ten women. They take their lamps, they they want to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Uh, and so the categories that they share are that they're women, uh, that they have lamps, and they want to meet the bridegroom. And as the bridegroom's delayed, uh, you know, at the midnight, there's a, a cry that's heard. And they're unprepared. Uh, and so some look at this because Matthew 24 really deals with uh, the judgment of God that 25 also would, would fit into that, into that perspective of being ready 
for the coming of the bridegroom because uh, if you're not ready, you're going to miss out. And readiness could be interpreted as being saved or it could be interpreted as uh, as a saved person prepared and watching and that there's some consequence for not being watchful. Um, and and so you can you can come to your own conclusions from the from the context. Okay, uh, I think that answers my question. And I'd also like to ask prayer for uh, my wife Laura. Okay, she's got she's got an ongoing condition. Um, she was diagnosed with having diabetes, and mm. she and a, she has a brain injury also. So okay. I don't know if it's compounded or how that is, but I'd like prayer for that. And her name's Laura. Okay. Father, we lift Laura up to you with these medical challenges. Uh, just knowing how the, you know, these challenges are not just physical, but they're also mental. Lord, they, they, they really do a number on our minds. And 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 I'm sure Laura is just going through it, Lord, as she thinks through all the scenarios and all the possibilities. But Lord, we we pray according to your word and and by faith that you've, the very faith that you've given us, that you would heal our sister, uh, that you would strengthen her body, you'd restore her mind. God, that you would, uh, you known as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, would touch Laura's body and touch her mind and use this sickness, Lord, for your glory, for your your ultimate um, glorification and your ultimate uh, attention on the earth today, that, that you would be worshiped and, and revered and held in awe by those of us that see your handiwork in this sister's life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. And thank you for being there today. Thank you, brother. God bless you. God bless you, Bye-bye. We also have a text line, guys, 720-336-0897. I see a text that's come through. It says, please pray for my hubby. Doesn't lose his driver's license, even though we pray for God's will. And I agree. Father, I pray with the decision that's going to be made with this driver's license it probably means that a driver's license is necessary maybe for his job or his income or to get to and from work, of course. And so we pray for your justice, Lord. And if it's before a judge or some kind of illegality, that you would uh, allow that judge to be just, but also merciful. Maybe he deserves one thing, but the judge wants to be merciful. I, and I, we receive that as an answer to prayer. But I also know this, and just like my sister says, God's will, we do yield our decisions to your will, Father, and if it's your will to to chastise uh, and to discipline your son through the loss of his license so that he might come to a a deeper relationship with you, or, or maybe not chastising, but the consequences of this will bring him to a saving knowledge in you, whatever it might be, God, we lift it up to you and ask that you your will would be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, there's this text you you texted in yesterday, and it's better for you to call. Uh, This is a hard one to answer by text. So you said I misunderstood your message yesterday about being divorced and dating. So call, please. Uh, It's harder. It's going to be too hard to answer because the answer yesterday that I sent back uh, didn't suffice for you. So call in. Uh, let's talk about it. That way I can know exactly what you, where you're going. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. We're going to go back to the phone lines. Is Desiree calling from Thornton, Colorado. Desiree, welcome to the program. 
Hello, Pastor. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm just I'm having a lot of struggles. Um, we started to walk with our father, like, going on four years. And um, I finally found a church. I, I'm going good. to Legacy, Calvary. You uh, made a very uh, wise decision. A beautiful church. And um, I didn't make it this Sunday. I got sick, real sick. But... Um, if you think I'm I'm evil within because I have such bad thoughts, such ugly thoughts, and this, and I I don't know why these thoughts are coming into my head. I've been real sick, and um, I've been blessed. Well, I have a husband that um, De- Desiree, Desiree, yeah. let's stop for a second. Let's do that. Let's let's deal with that first question, okay? Okay. Because you you asked me, and it's a real important one. I, I definitely think you need to to hear what the Bible has to say about this particular question because it'll the answer will take away some torment in your mind so number one um, you ask the question do I have evil in me because of the thoughts that I think in my mind and let, let me ask you a question are you born again um, yes I'm born again well I got baptized and uh, I accepted Jesus to be my Lord and Savior yes I, I'm born again Good. So listen to what the Bible says to, about somebody that's born again, and it is a very encouraging. Uh, it's very encouraging for you to hear this, so that you can answer this question uh, in the future. So listen, it says this is found in the Bible in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. It says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is that you? Would you be that person?" Yes. Okay, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so the answer to the question, and I think the way you're asking it, like there's some evil in you because of what's going on in your mind, the Bible says, no, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So you're not an evil person or you have some carryover of evil like sticking around in you from your previous life. God has cleansed you and washed you and changed you. So the answer to the question is no. So that that leads to a second question, right? The, yeah. the next question is, well then, if there's no evil in me like that, then why in the world am I having these crazy thoughts? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, here, here's an answer to that that will help you process it. Our minds have been created by God in an amazing way. Uh, they, they can remember things, and we can do complex compu- computations. We're like computers, and our minds store all this information uh, in our brains. And because we live so crazy, dumb lives before we got saved, we still have a lot of those memories in our minds. And our yes, minds so still true. have them. And, and and we can even still, as believers, still put bad memories into our minds, like by watching a real bad horror movie or by, uh, like, for example, I could put something in your mind right now. Do you think I can do that? Probably, yes. <laughs> yes. I can. So I'm going to put something in your mind right now. So I'm just, whatever you do right now, as you're listening to me, don't don't at, don't at all think about a pink elephant. Don't even think about a pink elephant. Don't even picture a pink elephant in your mind. Don't don't even think about pink elephants. Did you think about pink elephants? Yes. 
<laughs> I know it's kind of a dumb thing, but I, I'm doing it for a point because our minds can be influenced. They can be influenced. So, so then you would call back and go, I can't believe, Ed. Why did you tell me pink elements? I can't stop thinking of pink elephants anymore. Well, that isn't true because you can stop at any time. Um, but now you are living in the realm of choice. So what do I? So now that we know that thoughts can come from our memories, thoughts can come from influence. The enemy can throw seeds of doubt in our life. All, it can come from a lot of different ways. So then the last question is, well, what do we do with our thoughts? And the Bible actually has something powerful to say about that, um, because the Bible calls these crazy thoughts. Uh, maybe you've heard this phrase before. It's it's. Um, vain imaginations have you ever heard yes, of that phrase I, vain imaginations yes i have and and so we have them uh, we have these thoughts and the bible says that we need to learn how to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of jesus christ so i'm going to give you some homework to memorize this this scripture okay okay it's three. It's actually three scriptures, so it might take a little bit of time, but just go for it, uh, and and just memorize a little bit at a time. Because the Bible says that if we hide God's word in our heart, we won't sin against Him. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm writing them down, Pastor. Okay, okay. It's Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Chapter ten. Chapter ten. Okay. And then the verses are four. Five and six. Four, five and six. Okay. And Second Corinthians, here's what they say. Chapter ten and verse four, five and six. Okay. Let me read them to you. It says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God." bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. It's powerful. Oh, that's powerful. Yes. So here's what oh. we're going to do. I know you want to pray, so we're coming up on a break. I'm going to put you on hold, and then I'll bring you back right at the top of the next segment, okay? Okay, thank you, Pastor Ed. You're welcome. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live this afternoon. We're taking your calls and your questions coming up on a break here uh, on the show. I know, Liz, you're waiting. Uh, you're waiting to come on. Uh, you want to ask about the NIV. We'll get to you in the second half. And then, Ernest, you've got a question about Daniel, the son of man that came out of the fire. Great question. Uh, we're going to answer that to the best of our ability. And then we've got we're gonna have an open line after we pray with Desiree. So 303-690-3000. Texting is 720-360-897. And I do want to remind you that yesterday we had a Bible study at Calvary Aurora that's very relevant to your life right now. I can't believe there are people saying today that the Old Testament of the Bible is not relevant. It it does not speak to today, uh, and it and it's and it's that's not true. We're in second or first Kings right now, chapter twenty. And last night we learned uh, uh, from Ben Hadad, the king of Syria, he becomes a type of the devil, 
And he comes and says he claims all everything that's yours. He's like a stinking squatter. He's like the devil. Thinks that uh, he owns you. He thinks he owns your prodigal kids. He thinks he owns your broken marriage. He thinks he owns your finances. And he comes to you and goes, he tells you that what what is yours is mine. And it's not. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Anyway, we went through that last night. And what an outpouring of the Holy Spirit was upon our congregation. And I believe really the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was his word. It was him, God, honoring his word in the congregation. And if you listen to it online, uh, calvaryaurora.org, or you listen to it on our podcast, or you listen to it on our app, the Lord will bless you. So we got a couple minutes of break, a little stretching time. We'll come back to the second half of today's program. You guys in the East Coast, we want to hear from you. Call us. The number works out there, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. Aurora, for you guys on the East Coast, is a suburb of Denver. Uh, We are on the east side of Denver, and our ministry has been faithfully serving our community now uh, as of December for 18 years, 18 years here in the metro area. And this December, Grace FM turns seven years old, seven years old. It's really quite surprising uh, that Grace FM has been on the air for seven years. It was previously a music station uh, known as Way FM. They moved on to another dial here in the metro area, and we had the privilege of purchasing the radio station and all the assets from Way FM, and we are always in grateful and indebted to, to Way FM for their uh, support of selling the station to another uh, ministry uh, so that ministry can continue on something that God gave to them. And we are... Uh, one of just a couple teaching stations uh, in Denver, and we're grateful to be on the air with Bible. Um, our station's dedicated to 24 hours a day, seven days a week of Bible teaching and worship music, and music that you wouldn't normally hear on other stations, as Pastor Ian and Jason and a few others pick out music that uh, isn't in that top 40 genre, and it's it's, it's more um, modern worship and songs you wouldn't hear on other stations. So we're grateful. Seven years old. Church is 18 years old. Station will be seven years old, and uh, who knows what the Lord has in store for us in the future, um, except that we need to be found faithful uh, and stay faithful. We're going to go right back to the phone lines because Desiree was, uh, we we had the, the middle of the show cut our conversation in half. So Desiree, what is your prayer request? Welcome back. On line one, uh, Desiree, welcome back. Oh no, I think we lost Desiree. That's okay. I think the Lord even used the answer uh, in the first half of the program to minister to your heart. I'm sorry you dropped off, but but the Lord knows. And he's going to encourage you, Desiree. So thanks for listening and telling people about Grace FM. And you landed in Legacy 
uh, Christian Fellowship up in Thornton, just um, a premier ministry. And then right down the street, if if it's a little too far in Thornton, right down the street in Westminster is Calvary Westminster uh, with Jeff Kramer. Just two amazing ministries up in that area that the Lord's using in wonderful ways. We're going to go on to line number two is Liz calling from Denver. Liz, welcome to the program. Good. Hey, Liz, what's up? Um, so I'm writing through, because today I only have the NIV on my phone, and okay. I was reading through Matthew 17, and it cuts off that verse 20. There's no verse 21. <laughs> so I'm like, wait a minute, what, what's going on? So then I go to the New King James, and it's in there. So as I do some more research, come to find out there's, I believe it said there was like 64 verses that were missing from the NIV. Why is there verses missing in the NIV? And that just kind of like threw me for a loop. I was like, okay, I'm not going to read that because what Revelation says. Yes. So this is, this this has to do with something known as uh, what uh, manuscripts are being used in order to translate the Bible into the English language. Because the, ha- the Bibles that we have in our hands are English translations. Mm-hmm. And we can trust that the English translation in our hand is, is specifically translated into English that would be representative of the original autographs. Because that's, mm-hmm. we believe that the, the, the Bible is inspired in its original autographs. That means the actual parchment and ink that was written down by the authors or by the scribes with the authors. Um, it would be the same with you. If you wrote a note to me and sent it to the church and I opened it and it had your handwriting on it, that would be your autograph. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's that that was written by you. And if I asked one of the guys on staff, can you translate this into Spanish? They would take that that card and they would write it in Spanish and that's not the autograph. What okay. you wrote me is. Does that make sense? Yes. So we don't have the autographs today of the Bible. We don't have the autographs of the Old Testament or the New Testament. They haven't survived. But what has survived and in abundance is something known as manuscripts. So let's mm-hmm. say that let's say that that same card that you wrote to me on my desk that I took out another card and I copied what you said word for word. Mm-hmm. That would be a manuscript. Yeah. It accu- it accurately um, rep- represents what you wrote to me, but it's not what you wrote to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that's what the scribes did, right? Yeah, that's what the scribes did, and and we okay. have we have evidence for both the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, in in what's known as manuscript evidence, and it's overwhelming the yeah. manuscript evidence that we have uh, to to prove that what we have today directly relates to what the autographs were. Okay, so with all that in mind, when it comes to the Bible translation, there are two sets of manuscripts that are used today, and they are dated differently. And what's, per- what's perceived is that the older the manuscript, the more reliable it is. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I understand that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true, because if, if I copied something from, let's say I copied something in the year 200, and I mm-hmm. copied it wrong, and then the year 500 I copied something, and I copied it right, just because something is 300 years older doesn't mean it makes it more accurate. Mm-hmm. 
So basically, Bibles like the NIV, the New American Standard, um, what else? I'm not sure about the ESV. I haven't looked at it yet, but most likely the ESV because it's a it's a revision of the RSV. You know, all these different letters. Mm-hmm. I know, but different versions. Yeah. They they yeah. use a a set of manuscripts that's known as the Westcott and Hort set of manuscripts, and they're older than what the New King James and the King James, primarily the King James, uh, uses. Uh, that are not as old, but they have been the accepted text for many years. So, so here's the deal: the old, the Westcott and Hort manuscripts don't have those verses in them. That's why they don't put them in. And oh, okay. the other set of manuscripts do have those verses, and that's why they put them in. And there's a couple ways to understand why a text should be in it. And and just understand, people in seminary, people they spend their whole life on this what's known as textual mm-hmm. criticism. So we're doing like a preschool explanation of it right now because yeah. I'm not an expert in this, but the the reality of, of textual criticism is they have their reasons for what, what they do. But the reality is, is that when you have something quoted, for example, um, even if we didn't have any manuscript evidence at all, let's say we had no manuscripts, we have the writings and the teachings of the first century pastors and bishops. Uh, they, they taught... And while they taught, they quoted scripture, or they wrote, and when they wrote, they quoted scripture. And I think the number is that if we just take the writings of the first century believers and pastors mm-hmm. when they were teaching, and we use them to tr- translate a New Testament, that 99% of the New Testament was quoted by them, including these passages that are missing in the Westcott Hort manuscripts. Okay. And that's why most people lean on, except the newer textual criticism, most people lean on the what the the um, the Westcott and Hort because they're older. But most people lean on the the and I I, I want to say the I, the name isn't coming to me. I don't know why. What the other set of manuscripts are called, but um, it's usually what the King James was based on, and that's why to say all that. You know, and you can you can study mm-hmm. textual criticism. Matter of fact, um, a a book that I took when I was in Bible college is called um, from oh, it's from Geisler, Norman Geisler, and I think it's from God to Us was the name of the book, and he did an amazing job of laying out textual criticism to us. But all that to say is this: I personally do not like the NIV. Uh, I don't like the yeah. NIV for a couple reasons. One, they rely on the Westcott Hort transcripts or manuscripts. And two, when they set out to to translate the NIV, there was a specific goal not to have a word-for-word translation, but rather a thought-for-thought translation. Mm-hmm. And I understand that because it makes for better readability, but it misses a lot. Yeah, it misses and, uh, what it's actually mm-hmm. trying to say. It misses a lot, and I, I mean, have, you can still I show the gospel. Book, I have a book that um, Pastor Laurie had recommended one time, and I can't remember who the author was, and it was talking about how how it translated, you know, and it went word for word, and even it would count the words from left to right and right to left to make sure it, was, it all matched, and they would even go from the middle letter and count it, both ways as well, and like that's how detailed they were. And that I was like, well, it's all like that. Why is the NIV doing this? Because that doesn't make any sense. Right. 
I agree. That's why I like the New King James, because the New King James actually combines both tr- manuscripts, and they footnote mm-hmm. at the bottom. Uh, they footnote yeah. those things at the bottom without taking them out. That's why I like it. Yeah, I like it, too. That's the one I use. Um, and just to add to what you were saying earlier about your study, Bible study from last night, you're absolutely right. I watched it online, and yeah, yes. there definitely was a pouring big time. I totally felt the Holy Spirit, and I can literally just had to sit there and just absorb and just be with Praise him. the Lord. I thought, I, I mean, uh, I thought I, it was... I was very blessed. I thought it was pretty powerful, and and um, yeah. I, I know that it's really cool to hear that that translates over the over the internet too. Isn't that cool? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was like, wow! I just, I literally was just sitting there. I sat there and just praised God and prayed for like over an hour. It was like amazing. Oh wow, that's awesome. Well, thank you. God bless you. Okay. Well, God bless you. Have a good day. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, I got a couple of texts here. Thank you guys. And the other set of manuscripts, Textus Receptus. How is it that I could not remember that? But thank you guys for filling me in on that. Uh, Mark and Brent, appreciate it. Uh, there's a text here. It says, How do you shine the light to a wayward friend who continues to root for USC? Well, I would say that the way that you shine a light to a wayward friend who continues to root for USC is uh, becoming a USC fan. Uh, because the Bible says that we're to become all things to all men, and if you really want to root, if you really want to connect with that person that needs the gospel and needs the love of Jesus, you should become a Trojans fan, and you can become all things to all people. I think that's a, to me, that's the way it is. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Check this out, guys. Pastor Ed, uh, this another text came through. I came to Las Vegas to the memorial set up here. After I heard your message this weekend, it's amazing to see that people aren't just open to hear the name of Jesus, but I think that they want to hear it. So pray that he would bring healing and salvation to this city. Yes. Thank you for uh, texting me. I shared, I just felt like I received the word from the Lord uh, this last weekend that there were people thinking about and maybe even praying about going to Vegas uh, and just ministering. Uh, but they didn't know what to do or how to do it, and they were hemming and hawing, and, and I felt this exhortive word, this word of exhortation to buy a ticket and go. So you're the third, no, you're the fourth person now that I have heard has gone down there, and and like it was here in Aurora for two, three, four weeks at the memorial where the crosses are set up and at the corner there, and for about three, four, five weeks, people were just open to receive uh, and open to talk, and, and you'll, you can minister 12, 14, 16 hours a day, uh, and uh, you, you'll have more ministry than you can handle, and here's another one. So Lord, we just pray for those that are in Vegas right now, and we just know that you uh, are using them uh, to encourage and to uplift and to strengthen um, open doors, God, while the door is open. And I pray for my brother Jimmy, and I pray for my brother Derek, uh, the pastors there. I don't, I don't know the other pastors, but those two brothers I do, and and I know that they're they're tired, and I know that they're running on adrenaline, and that the ministry is unceasingly and uh, not stop, not stopping. And while abounding grace is airing uh, this Bible study in the next couple of days, I pray you'd bless the encouraging word, a right response to terror, and may you use it and multiply it to stir up and minister to many. 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 303-690-3000 is the number. It's not too late to fly to Vegas. Grab a ticket and go. You think, man, I, I just think I should be there and just walk the streets and minister to people. Go. Get a ticket and go. Get a round-trip ticket, of course, but go. Spend a couple days. Invest it. You know, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be ordained. You. We believe in the body ministry. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that God will lead and guide you. We believe you don't need to worry about what you're going to say because Jesus will give it to you in the moment. We believe that if with an open Bible and a willing heart, God can use you and you don't even think, you know, even for those of you that don't even think you can be used. And of course, you don't need to go to Vegas. Like this is, this is the mission field right here in front of us. Um, this, this is it. Like this is the time. Um, to be a to be the church, not just stop stop coming to church. Let's be the church in a huge way, and so praise God that there was a confirmation, and people bought tickets and they took off. And you know, there's this stigma, uh, and I, it's ridiculous. It's so legalistic. You know, I don't know why we why are we so legalistic? Um, oh, you're gonna go to Vegas. You're gonna go to Sin City. You know what? We should repent because every city is Sin City. Every city is Sin City. Sure, Vegas has its own deal and its own tour, its own underbelly, but so does Denver, so does Aurora, so does Castle Rock. Every sin is in every city because people live there, which means that salvation is available to every city because Jesus Christ came to save sinners. So let's say you're going to be at the kitchen table today and you're going to and you're talking about things with your family and you, you go what are you going to do this weekend? Well, I think I'm going to go to Vegas. Oh, I can't believe would you go to Vegas? You know what? Don't listen, just go to Vegas. Don't, you know, don't gamble, don't get drunk. Go share the gospel. Of course. Like everywhere the sole of your feet of tread God has given you. So you can go to the city and not um I mean if you have a problem with gambling or you have a problem with drinking and that'll be a temptation to you, don't do it obviously. Don't stumble yourself. But get up. Buy the ticket. Go do it. 303-690-3000. Let's move on to line number three is Ernest in Aurora, Colorado. Ernest, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I have a uh, three questions I would like to ask you. The first one was um, me and a, a co-worker was talking about Nebuchadnezzar and how he said that he do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. And when they opened up the furnace, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said that he saw he threw three in and four came out. And the fourth person was like the Son of Man. My question to you is, how did he know? The Bible doesn't say, number one. So we don't we we can't answer it that way, but we can think through some of the possibilities. Uh, first of all, the knowledge of the one true God is already in existence. Nebuchadnezzar knows that. He knows that because when Babylon, uh, when 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 the nation was taken into captivity in Babylon, they brought their worship of God with them. And so that knowledge of the one true God and the knowledge of Judaism and the Old Covenant is in existence during the time of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's, that, that is not a hidden, um, they were not hidden in their religion. They were very, it was very evident. Um, and perhaps they received um, 
insight from teachings or from rabbis or uh, from, uh, you know, for example, in, in Isaiah chapter 9, um, it speaks of the, in Isaiah 9, 6, you know, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. So there's even knowledge of the, uh, of the son of man and the son of God. Uh, and and so what I think happened is or what I think you know my 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 two cents the, to combine with the reality of the knowledge of the one true God and His Son, uh, the child's born in Isaiah nine. The possibility is that this that that Jesus in in and among um, in and among the uh, the lion's den or the the fiery furnace is the the reality of. In the night visions, he says, "One like the Son of Man is coming in the clouds, like he's he's seeing something in glory, maybe a brightness or something that um, reflects deity or otherworldliness, something that's spiritual." Uh, and he comes to that conclusion. Um, he has <clears throat> he has a knowledge that's been given to him, uh, and through that knowledge, he is given. Uh, he just blurts out what he thinks it is. You know, he could be wrong, but he we know now, looking backwards, he wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, the, <clears throat> no, you just answered a, a huge question on that one. Thank you. Uh, my second question to you is, um, we were talking about salvation, and uh, my question to you is, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that the that the Bible the Bible says that the the that the gift of God is, is salvation and it's is you know is given to us. It's a, a gift that we ask for. But if you turn away from God, does that mean that one saved always saved, or is it actually a gift? So I don't really like the phrase "once saved, always saved" because um, it doesn't really reflect the necessity of what the Bible says. Let's let's take that off the table for a second and ask this. Okay. Is salvation for a person temporary or permanent? That's um, the real permanent. question. It's a permanent salvation. It's eternal. Uh, you're given eternal life so that Jesus himself would say <clears throat> that once you're in the Father's hands in John 10, nobody can snatch you out of the Father's hands. So when I look at salvation, I believe, as we were discussing this in our program yesterday, that I believe in the security of the believer and the insecurity of the make-believer. And for the person that turns their back on God, they're in one of two categories. They're either a prodigal, uh, like Jesus gives us, uh, right? That, that young man, he wants his inheritance, he takes his inheritance, he goes to the city, he lives a sinful life. Uh, he leaves the father, he leaves the house, he leaves the benefits, and he goes and does his own thing, right? Mm-hmm. But what didn't change about him? One thing about that young man did not change with all of the bad decisions that he made. What was that one thing that didn't change? Uh, he had a desire to go back. To uh, yes, but I'll even go deeper than that. The, the thing that didn't change is he never stopped being a son. Right. He still had dad, and that that I would even combine that with your answer that that desire to go home was because he still had a relationship with his dad, even though he felt like he would go back as a servant. His dad welcomed him back as what a son. Why? Because he was a son. 
And I believe a true believer, according to the Bible, not just a system of theology that was developed years later, but the Bible declares salvation as eternal, and so a person isn't going to lose something that they didn't that that was given to them by God. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, that he's promised to finish what he started and to perfect that which concerns us. And so the other category of a person that walks away from the Lord uh, is he was never saved to begin with. They were just a faker and a poser, and you know they're going to have to deal with the reality of their of their hypocrisy and their they weren't say they weren't born again to begin with. Okay, uh, I got one more question, but I just wanted to say uh, last night's service uh, was excellent, and um, it was a true blessing. I actually went to sleep listening to the earth sermon from yesterday last night. Um. But my, you, my you question know, to you is, like, my, wait, wait, wait. my last question. Hold, Are you there? Hold on a second. Yeah, hold on a second, okay. Ernest. Do you know how funny it sounds of what you just said? You said yeah. that my sermons put you to sleep. <laughs> I, to- I get what you're saying, but I just I wanted to bring that out. That's good. What's your last question, bro? <laughs> uh, my, my last question has something to do, actually, um, with your sermon last night. Okay. And, and, and that is, um, I talked to a couple of people because I actually go to your church. And okay. uh, I remember uh, you saying, um, dealing with my marriage and everything, is, yes. is letting go and allowing me to work on me and allowing um, God to work on her. But what do I do as a, as a believer and as a Christian to... I'm not saying I can move the hand of God because no man can move the hand of God. Right. But um, my question is, what can I do as a husband when I know that she is in sin, she doesn't have a desire to serve the Lord? She does come to church, but that's it. Good. And yes. she still continues to be in sin, and it's hard for me to keep strong, even though I have two children that I also know. That are in, well, involved in it as well. There's two things, and we only got a couple minutes, so there's two things because there's really two questions to that. Um, on the first part of the question, I think is is what kind of husband should I be? Um, and I would say that no matter the condition of of our wives, we're to be the same kind of husband, love our lo- our wives as Christ loved the church, and to shower love on, serve our wives, minister to our wives, even if we get no response. That's our responsibility, and and it's also God's power in us to demonstrate love, both for the for a wife with an unbelieving husband or a husband with an unbelieving wife, where to to love them uh, unconditionally uh, and and continue probably even more so than when you're getting along. Then the second part of that question is is really the essence of what you're asking, and that is what do I do because it's so stinking hard. And, and it's so difficult and my kids are wrapped up into it. And, you know, the answer to that is a little more uh, involved because it's going to be situational, um, but, but it is hard and it's causing you, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of like I said last night, you know, you got the, a lot of times our trials have a beginning and end and a middle and an end, but you're in the middle of a trial that seems to have a long middle to it and and so as God is developing you and, and, and developing your faith and trust in him, 
He's going to help you day by day. Just like you made it through today, you're going to make it through tomorrow. You're going to make it through tonight. And God is going to show himself faithful to you and the difficulty in your marriage. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm just tired. Yes, very. You're very tired. Um, it's exhausting. You know, um, there's a brother in the church that's been walking along in a difficult situation like this. Email me. I'll put you in contact with him, and you guys can be prayer partners because he has endured for many years, and he, even though he's had some bad days and bad weeks, he is a testimony to the power of God in loving his wife like this. So if you email me, I'll put you in contact with him. Okay, Pastor. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. You know, thinking about trials and difficulties, too, um, we're going to start a new series this weekend at Calvary Aurora called Help for Troubled Hearts. Help for Troubled Hearts. And it's going to be a six to eight week series on trials and difficulties and the victory of Jesus Christ. This is the time to come to church, guys. This is the time to invite your family and friends. This is the time to, to hand out a note to your coworker and say, look, I know you're going through it, but Jesus has an answer. And I'm going to do my best as a pastor, exercising the gift of pastor-teacher in teaching us through uh, the Bible and what it has to say about trials, difficulties, and victory in Jesus. Having uh, ex- experienced uh, the loss of my son um, many years ago and the ongoing drama that goes along with that, I believe the Holy Spirit has a word for us that's not just going to come from me, but it's going to come through me. And I believe the power of the Holy Spirit is going to rest upon his word and descend upon our church and our our technology. And God is going to free and heal and bind up the brokenhearted. CalvaryAurora.org. Get the app. Watch online. Come and visit us. Be a part of our church. Love you guys. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.